Welcome to the Hopecast. Here, we have conversations on finding life. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hopecast. This is Drew Daniels. I'm filling in for Nicole Eunice. And is she I, still away, Drew? <laughs> I know it feels like Nicole's she's been gone still so away. Long. It's kind of like Nicole. When you to... If you're out there, what's the John Legend song? <laughs> if you're out there, Nicole. If you're out there, we miss you. <laughs> it's like when you're being disciplined when you're younger and you have to sit and do something. It just feels like so long. I feel like we're just our listeners are being disciplined right now. When Nicole comes back, it's going to be good again. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I remember when I was like a little kid and. This is back in our day, like mothers wouldn't do this anymore, but uh, my mom would be like, she'd pull up to a store and she'd say, I'll be back in 10 minutes. And I'd be like waiting in the car for 10 minutes. 10 minutes seemed like 10 weeks. Oh, so long. (laughs) (laughs) So long. So this is another childhood thing. I got a question for you, David. Um, The first is simple. It's just a yes or no. Have you ever played Whack-A-Mole? No. Oh, you've never played it. I know what it is. I know the concept, but you said be simple. My answer, my choices were yes or no. (laughs) You don't get to explain yourself. Just answer yes or no. The answer is no. Conversation's (laughs) over. The answer is no, but I want to say a lot more about Okay, so you know what whack-a-mole is. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about (laughs) whack-a-mole? I think it's it's kind of intriguing and fun. I I used to play whack-a-mole a lot. Um, You know, it's one of those Chuck E. Cheese games. You just, you're Mm -hmm. trying to hit them. And we're going to talk today about uh, what you've coined. Um, I'll say you've coined it. I don't know where the phrase came from, but elusive truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when we're trying to get to the truth of a matter, it feels like we're playing a game of whack-a-mole. It feels like, man, how are we ever going to get to this? And I'm, I'm missing it. It's popping out, and I think I'm getting a glimmer of it, but I'm not quite, not quite catching it. Mm-hmm. So elusive truth, that mm-hmm. phrase, can you just – let's just dive right into the topic this week and – what does that mean that truth is elusive and how can we frame a conversation around trying to get to the truth of a matter? Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So the topic of truth in general is an interesting one in our day. And of course there's lots of social, um, dialogue and perhaps disagreement. Is there truth? Is there absolute truth? And so on. I got thoughts about that, but that's not really what this podcast is about. Um, To take it sort of a little further down the area of intrigue for me is uh, the Bible speaks of truth as something that's very desirable, like you want it. And truth, my take on it is truth is the way things actually are. Okay. So there's this sense, which is there, there is the way things actually are. You want to know the way things actually are. Now, I'm not speaking so much in a sort of philosophical way or an abstract way, a religious way. Those are interesting topics, but that's not so much what we're talking about here today. Um, years ago, I remember coming across the phrase, the truth is always your friend. You're like, wait a minute, What? It's true. I firmly believe it. The truth is always your friend. You Not all- that the truth always makes you feel good. Exactly. But a good friend doesn't always make you feel mm. good. Uh, a good friend will tell you the truth sometimes, 
And so the truth is always your friend. Mm. Um, you want to know it. So I remember reading a book uh, a number of years ago called Executive Intelligence. And one of the main premises in one chapter in this book was um, successful executives, I think they use the word demand the truth. In other words, if you're an executive and you're trying to make leadership decisions and you've got a lot of assets and capital on the line, if you don't have the truth, accurate information, you are likely to make poor decisions. Hmm. So the idea was what successful executives will work very, very hard to do is they will work very hard to get the truth. I mean, think of that in a uh, like. How about in a in a wartime situation? What does a general need? A general absolutely needs the truth mm. to try to make good battlefield strategic decisions. You got to know what is actually happening. So if you've got a guy who reports to you who says, um, "I don't want to be the bearer of bad news," so I'm going to tell you something because um, I want to make you feel good, but it's not actually true. And then a general's going to make some significant decisions with wow. people's lives at risk on faulty information, then that guy, his advisor, was not helpful at all. Now, what a general or an executive or a leader has to do is create the culture that makes you a winner for telling the truth, where you don't get punished for telling the truth. And so that's a leadership issue of creating a culture. And that's going to have to start at the level of the senior leader where that person, him or her, works hard to create the environment where their, their team can always tell them the truth. Like, hey, I, this may be bad news. You may not want to hear it, but I'm telling you the truth. Or what about when it's an observation I have about you, about a character flat or a poor behavior? Like, you got to know that. Because if those things accumulate and then people begin avoiding you and then they don't want to be with you and then they don't want to give you information, you've got an accumulating problem because you're keeping the truth away. Mm. So like the higher the stakes, the more important truth is. But in essence, the truth is always your friend. But truth is hard to come by for a million reasons. Many of them are connected to us being emotional beings and we have fears and we're emotionally laden. And so we tend to really have a hard time with truth in a balanced, clear and kind way. Wow. Whew. Um, there you go, Drew. I know. I know. We're just getting started. So talk to me a little bit more about this idea of truth. You know, in my mind, I'll give you a little bit more clarity around why I'm asking that question. Um, I'm going there because I'm saying in practical environments – you can have people all observe one situation and they see it differently. Mm -hmm. So their explanation of what is true is going to be different. Mm -hmm. Those contexts are slippery and difficult. Mm -hmm. How do you navigate that? And sometimes the stakes feel higher than others. So sometimes it's not as big of a deal, mm -hmm. but in your war uh, kind of analogy, the stakes are really high. Mm -hmm. So when you find yourself in a where per people are involved and their different perspectives are involved, how do you kind of navigate trying to understand, well, what part of this is true mm -hmm. and, and how does that all play into this elusive truth game of life? Yeah. Okay. So one, 
one question is going to be, am I a person who um, has the capacity to deal with truth? Um, or do I tend to be dismissive of it if it's bad news that I don't want to hear? Hmm. So it starts with you. Then next is, um, have I created a culture in my family, in my marriage? How about that? My marriage, in my team at work, where, you know, telling the truth, being honest with each other is a, is prized behavior. It's not punishable behavior. Okay, now, yes, it has to be done in appropriate ways. But I think the analogy you're bringing here, it's almost like a court case where you have a bunch of witnesses giving their version of what happened, and the stories may vary. So then you've got this question, well, which story is true? Which one isn't? And I'm no expert on this, but I think, you know, people who are like uh, really um, lawyers and judges and others, they listen for consistencies, and then they they listen for outliers that don't seem to make sense, that don't match up. Mm. Um also, of course, I suppose you're trying to evaluate what seems to be the sober, wise thinking of the person who's telling the story, right? So if somebody comes in and they're like completely emotional and seems sort of off the rails, you might not be so sure that you're getting truth there. Um, whereas another person who comes in and sort of seems to have a sober, steady hand, all of this stuff has nuances in it. Wow. But, but, from a standpoint also of like personal growth, if you really want to grow as a person, you want truth. But you said it aptly a minute ago, but that doesn't mean it's always going to feel good. Right. There are times where truth isn't going to feel good. But if you want to grow, you want truth. So think about how could we do this together, right? We're on teams, and you and I have talked about this right. in various places. Um, what about when we make mistakes professionally? What about when we uh, don't handle ourselves in the best way? Sure. Can we talk to each other and just say, you know, I noticed that you did this and it concerned me and I wanted to bring it to your attention. I mean, could we operate in that kind of an environment? It doesn't mean I'm a, I've got a witch hunt going. Right. It doesn't mean I'm against you. It doesn't mean I uh, am condemning you. It's just telling truth. Sure. Like imagine the health of environments where we could do that. Imagine families where you could do that and it didn't get all emotional and all upsetting. We're talking about something like, whoa, can I imagine a family can do that? Do we know any families that can do that? Why is it hard to do? Because there's emotion and insecurity and fear of rejection and personalities. And some people are quiet and you don't know what they're thinking. Some people are emotional and you think they're overdoing it and on and on and on it goes. Sure. So this is back to elusive truth. It's right. hard. Yeah. So I was thinking last week, we had a big family vacation with uh, Elizabeth, my wife's family. It's a whole bunch of people. Um, the, I have some uh, some nephews who are pretty young. And one of the things, you know, like you want truth? Where, who do you get truth from? Children are better at truth than adults are. Why is that? They seem less concerned about the consequences. They just say it. And we accept it from children because we don't wonder if it was all calculated. Right. They just speak the truth. And we're like, oh, that's so cute. Look at what he said. And we're all sort of, but if an adult said that, like, there's no way it would fly. No way. But children deal in truth. And also, um, we have a nephew 
who has Down syndrome. One of the beautiful um, gifts in our family is William. Um, I know a number of people with Down syndrome. Uh, often you want truth. People with Down syndrome will give you the truth. Sure. There's such a beauty. Yeah. But then like, okay, so we love, we love truth in these certain kinds of scenarios, but then we really struggle with it in other scenarios. It's so hard because of emotion and challenge. You think of a work environment, think about like annual reviews or job reviews or performance discussions. Could we just speak truthfully? Well, yeah. Without uh, layering up emotion, fear, insecurity, it's not easy to do is kind of the point I'm making, but it is a very important goal. And I think the Bible is speaking like truth is incredibly valuable. You want to work really, really, really hard to try to get it because it's always your friend. Well, that's so helpful because when what all of that says to me is that, um, well, let me start with this. I've heard the definition of a leader that a leader is a self-defined defined individual with a non-anxious presence. A search for truth and a finding of truth, it gets rid of a lot of anxiety because there's something about finding truth that feels like, okay, I know what I can do with this. When you look at truth you have an option. You either move towards it or you move away from it. And you have to deal with it though, when you're confronted by it. So this elusive nature of truth can also bring a lot of anxiety. It can bring a lot of this who, like when we can't get to the bottom of the thing of what's going on. Um, I, I just don't know what that person's thinking. I don't know what they really mean. And, and this happens in relational dynamics all the time, but also in a work context. So what are ways you said, start with ourselves, start with the way we receive feedback, start mm-hmm. with the way. Um, but what are ways that in these relational dynamics, we can actually pursue truth together so that we can say, Hey, I know this is going to be maybe a hard conversation, but let's try to understand what is the truth of the matter here so that we can, we can help relieve some of that anxiety and move forward with less tension. I've thought about this a lot and I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I want to be great at it. Um, so one of the things I've learned, um, have you ever, you, there's a time where, you know, that you have to have a conversation with somebody and you're emotionally churned up about it. You're like, this is going to be really hard. Yeah. Right. So you're thinking about some things you have to talk about to clear the air, clean the pipes, whatever metaphor you want to use. And you're pretty churned up about it. And so you finally get together you have your cup of coffee or whatever. And because you're all churned up about it, you tend to start by saying some things like, hey, it's really not my intention to hurt you. And what I need to talk to you about, it's really not that big a deal, but I just need to, well, by the time you say all that stuff, you have created a highly charged emotional setting. It feels setting. like a big deal. Right, right. The more you say, <laughs> this is not a big deal, the bigger the deal it becomes. Ugh. Right? And and all of that is connected to our emotions, our insecurities, our fears, our lack of comfort. Right. And then there and it's are other- truth avoidance. It's because you don't want to get to the truth. You don't want to spit it out. So you're putting all these disclaimers. Right. So, but sometimes we feel like if we're going to have like one of these cards on the table, truth telling conversations, we have to make it a big deal. Hmm. Like I got to ensure that, you know, this is a big deal. So we feel like we have to make it a big deal. Wow. So we labor it by trying to emphasize that it's a big deal. Well, what if we just didn't have all this emotion with it? We just normally dealt in the currency of truth. So what if I, after a sermon, you could say to me, um, David, I feel like you made a mistake when you said this, and I think the tone of it wasn't helpful. It's not condemning, 
your heart is with me. And I could say, tell me more about that. You know what? I didn't really know that. I didn't really notice it, but I want to know it. Tell me more about that. And we're just trying to deal in the currency of truth. It's not rejection. It's not all that kind of stuff, right? Think about another conversation. There are times where you have a conversation and you're driving home afterward and you realize, you know what? We just covered some tough terrain in that conversation. Like we actually said some things to each other that are like, whoa, but why didn't I feel anxious about it? I don't know. I didn't have all that pre-amperage that this is going to be this big, hard conversation. And lo and behold, you had this very truth-telling type of a deal and it went fine and it wasn't that big a deal. It didn't come with all of that pre-concern and all that emotion. So it didn't have all this electricity and have the risk of the train going off the tracks. And, you know, we all killed each other because it was so painful. It was just like, whoa, you know what? I think that conversation we had back there, we like did a lot of truth telling and it didn't seem to be that big a deal. We didn't layer it up with all kinds of emotional fear and concern and all that. Well, and as we close, I just want to touch on one thing that you just said there that I think is so insightful because it's really – this is a really challenging thing for me, just being brutally honest, this idea of not wanting to hurt people's feelings. So I don't want to give the full truth. And that's hard for me. But what I heard you say there is we tend to take this idea of truth telling and truth sharing and attach so much emotion with it. And then we lead off with the emotion rather than leading off with the truth. Mm -hmm. Can you just illuminate just a little bit more of that. That is so insightful to me. That feels so, uh, so packed with goodness. Um, why do you think we tend to bring so much emotion to those types of conversations? And what are ways that we could say, you know what, what are ways to avoid the emotion and just get right to the truth? Well, our insecurities and fears are what layer up all the emotion. Um, our insecurities and fears that somebody might point out a weakness and I'm afraid that it means I'm no good. I'm not worth much. They don't Mm -hmm. think much of me. They have a condemning viewpoint of me. Essentially it's rejection in one way, shape or form. Um, the other one is, um, you know, sometimes in professional environments, it's your job to let someone know about errors. Right. And you can say, somebody could say, well, you know, you're not perfect yourself. Right. Well, no, but that's not the point. Right. I know I'm not perfect myself, but that's not what this conversation is right. about. Right. So there's so many of these layers. But sure. um, I do think the culture can be significant in this. Like. If I said to you, uh, you know, today's early July, if I said, hey, Drew, I want to schedule a conversation with you on August 15th at 3 p.m. And I've got some really hard things to talk to you about. Oh, God. Right? I mean, for six weeks, you wouldn't sleep. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's just the worst way to do it. Right. Right? So let's say I've got something that I feel a need to talk to you about. What if I just said, um, what if we, our cars pulled into the parking lot at a similar time this morning? And I said, hey, um, I want to chat with you for a minute. And then we just have the conversation. It's no big deal. I didn't give you six weeks of anxiety buildup. And so I have to be aware of that. Don't make the anxiety buildup. But also, you know, I do think I may be overstating it. We're creating a culture that just says it's not that big a deal. Mm. It's like the way we do it. And an interesting observation, and I'm not saying we're perfect at that around here, but I do want to be as good as we can. Let's say somebody was working in an environment where this was – really, really, really badly handled. Then they come here. 
let's hope, let's dream that we're doing reasonably well with it. They can change. Yeah. Because the culture is saying, you're allowed to do that. Wow. And the new person, let's say they come to work in worship arts and they say to you, Drew, you're allowed to do that? You can like say that to somebody? And you're like, what's the big deal? Yeah. And they're like, there's no way you could have done that before. The point is, truth is healing. Truth is freeing. Truth is, um, truth is a way that we care for one another. Yep. But we have to learn how to do it well. And that is a very elusive art. So that's kind of the podcast, right? A very wise woman named Nicole Eunice has told me before in countless conversations, I just want you to know my heart is for you. And something about her saying that on a pretty regular basis helps me know that when we get into those hard conversations, she's oriented in a way that wants what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so helpful, letting people know that my heart is for you and, and sharing truth is a helpful way to get there, but it's elusive. It's hard. Well, so then what you're talking about there is trust. She's building trust as a framework where we can do truth. Oh, it's awesome. That's probably another podcast, but... That was good for today. Thanks, David. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you guys later. Bye. HopeCast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.